Welcome to Leadership of Fools. We are back in the studio and we're doing a little follow-up podcast following up on the live recording we did at Mkek uh, some time ago. Uh, just ruminating on success and so we've gathered the gang mostly back together. Uh, not everyone could be here but we've, we've assembled the important components of that live podcast back to continue the conversation around success. Uh, so joining me is the always affable Alice Sidhu. <laughs> Thanks, Rick. What an introduction. I'm glad um, that you think so, and I hope you do through the um, remainder of the podcast nothing as will, well. Nothing will dampen your affability in my mind. <laughs> uh, you've got unstoppable affability. Appreciate it. Thank you. And Kate, corporate colossus Tenby, is back to speculate more on what success is and how it can be achieved. She's breaking it down into some just easy dot points that we can all take home and achieve success. <laughs> Yeah, by the end of the day, I'd say. That's what I'm expecting. No pressure. Thanks for that. Great to be here. <laughs> Good. And wine raconteur Todd Lichty. He may or may not have played basketball in his past. Uh, certainly did. Um, but yeah, looking forward to expanding on uh, the last chat we had. And uh, thanks for having me. Um, we had two basketballers in the live podcast. We did. And we made you have a playoff. Um, <laughs> you took Chris Carroll to the hoop. And, uh, He's I think used that's to that. <laughs> and uh, so he was out. He, he lost, he lost the, uh, the one-on-one and you survived. So w- w- thank you for representing all basketballers uh, for this podcast. I think he waved the white flag before we stepped on the court. <laughs> in Chris's defense, I should say that he's actually overseas and couldn't join us. That's not the is, story I'm telling in which, my mind. <laughs> which is really unfortunate. Um, in my mind, he's battered and bruised. He's... <laughs> His ego just deflated. I feel like there's a question there, given the topic is success is personal, mm-hmm. and you're just talking about battering and bruising someone. Yeah, not about success. I feel like... It's just I like to imagine just two basketballers going hammer and tongs. <laughs> it feels like that might be an inappropriate and get a very interesting place, given we're all sort of corporate gladiators in some way, and some of us are sporting gladiators. Um, I don't know what the improv world is like, whether it is a gladiator sport or not. No, I'm more of a snack gladiator. <laughs> How do you measure a win in the uh, improv world? I guess the crowd reaction. Ah, uh, well, wow. funny you should say so. Uh, we we often ruminate on that, and that we don't we don't gauge our success from the crowd reaction as such. Uh, that's kind of a happy byproduct of where the success really is measured, which is um on the um uh, how well we're inspiring each other, and um how well we're working together on stage, and so that that's all sort of gauged in the moment and um through feedback afterwards. But yeah, we, we try not to gauge our success from the reaction we're getting from the audience because it can be quite a misleading metric to gauge how well you're going because sometimes um, audiences will re- react in, um, they'll reward bad, bad behaviours. Mm. See how we flipped this? You're, mm. We're now interviewing <laughs> We're you. interviewing Rick now. It's all right. I know. I don't mind. I just listened to, actually, ironically enough, another podcast on viral outrage and um, what social media is doing. So that plays right into that. But there's this whole piece, isn't there, around um, what we're here to talk about, which is that success is personal. And so for us, depending on what it is that you're doing, either personally or professionally, it looks really, really different. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the previous podcast, one of the things that we had talked about was the measure of financial mm-hmm. success and the fact that irrespective of what we are doing professionally, we aspire to certain things and we talked a lot about um, the financials plus the status that comes with it. So I feel like I want to start with that because it's going to take us into some interesting places. Um, now, we don't have the, um, the, the combat that we had in the last one from the, um, the sporting perspective, but let's stick with the corporate and go to mm-hmm. you first, Kate. 
Um, corporate can sometimes feel like it's the most fulfilling thing on earth. Mm-hmm. It can also feel like you're a hamster on a wheel. Yep. Uh, what does that look like in terms of success? Are both of those, you know, measures of different types of success? Or is one, you know, a measure that what your view of success is, is probably needing to be redirected or re- reframed? Yeah, I, I think as you're saying that you asked a really good question about the improv, Todd, around how you measure that success. And as an outsider, we, Todd and I would be like, oh, well, of course, if the audience is loving it, that's great. <laughs> and then as an insider, you learn that it's actually very different. And I think um, through corporate culture, you arrive in a culture. You arrive at a culture and they tell you what success is. And I think often when you're younger, that's what you take on because that's around you. But over time, you then start to crystallise what actually it means for you, and we can talk a bit about that, about how you define it for yourself, and that's where you work out maybe there's contradictions and maybe there isn't. Um, But I would say I think the younger generation now are coming with clearer markers around what they think success is, and that's what we're seeing is that friction between old corporates needing to relook at how they're actually creating an environment because younger generation are turning up and saying no they actually the fact that I have to work 24 7 that that doesn't fit my success measures whereas in the day (laughs) you would arrive and it's 24 7 so that's what it is at a large corporate and I just need to do it so I think it's a really valid question around taking the time to understand it for yourself and then finding an organization which actually it matches and it won't be perfect but the fundamental Um, match might be there and then before you're on a successful start so with the generational component I guess creating that difference uh, do you think that that is a case of where you are in your career or your life perhaps versus uh, the corporate structure and perspective that you create around uh, where you are at an an age because it's quite different isn't it yeah I I know I think it's a wholesale change I think it's very easy to say it's the millennials are more value-based but Actually, when we look at it, so is the person that's just had the baby. So is the husband who has been working on this treadmill. And also the checkpoints of governance and what is a successful company is changing. Public is telling us that, the Banking Royal Commission. So the success measures, I think, have really shifted. Um, And it's all around the sustainability of an organisation and the sustainability of self. So... I think there's a wholesale shift going on and, you know, there's many around the table that, you know, the future of work and what yep. that means. And yes. um, But I think initially we said, oh, it's those millennials, right? It's them that want something different. And it's not. Yeah. It's not. To tell you a story, I mean, I've I worked flexibly for 15 years um, and people would say, oh, you're the first lady, woman to do this and you're the first... Maybe, yes, that was true, but it was in fact males that would talk to me more about a flexible work practice quietly because I wanted to save their marriage, because I wanted to have more time. You know, it actually wasn't the females. Now, I was in a male-orientated environment, but I think that was to me um, maybe 15 years ago that was starting to... My ears pricked up. I yeah. thought, what's going on here? And I think we take the clock forward and there has been a shift. Okay. And that can be a good thing as well. It's I mean, a great it's, thing. Yeah. it's a great yeah. thing. And organisations are being called to account. Yeah. They're being called to account. It might have taken a few inquiries. Uh, it might, but at the it end. It usually does. It, but I am, I am optimistic. I am optimistic around uh, the problems that we need to solve. We see on a, a, a top down perspective that while the government mightn't be doing radical things on climate change, but look where the businesses are going to take 
Australia. It's sort of our only hope at the moment um, for the leaders, whether it's Mike Cannon-Brooks or all of these mm. businesses that are, are committing to solve these problems. They are doing that from a value-based start. Yeah. Um, and I think, therefore, if my values are like that, I'm going to align myself to those organisations and talent will be drawn to those organisations and success will be redefined for both company and employee. Which is interesting in terms of the types of uh, things that you said you know, just now, which is how do you actually attract the types of employees and talent that you want and then how does that align to your own values and, and that's the whole idea of the concept of what it is that you're striving for. So um, that's, that's the corporate perspective. How different is it in your experience from actually having experienced the NBA? Time? Well, I'm in the corporate perspective now uh, for the last 20 years, but I, I think... You brought up a, a great point in the sense that, you know, the measures of success, um, to me, that just, and, and then you said redefining success at the end of it. I mean, what is the definition of success? I mean, I think it's 20 years ago, 30 years ago, everybody had a different opinion about that, and they still do today. And as you said, the, the generation, the millennials, as we call them, and my son's a part of them, um, they look at things a whole lot differently, and they have so much information that we didn't have access to at a younger age that... Um, I think in a lot of ways they're a lot more mature or facing a lot more than we ever had to and deal with and digest mentally. Um, and in some ways I, and I had a sort of a father-son outing at our school f- probably two months ago. It was a camp out and the fathers and, son had, fathers and sons had to get up and talk about each other and the son would say something about the father. And and I basically said, basically said you know, there's a good chance that he knows more than I do, that he has things figured out better than I do, not only at his age or not only when I was his age, but now, because um, he has a totally different perspective than what I grew up with. So for me, the question, and I, I remember asking myself this when I was 14, 15 years old, what, what does success mean? And it's, you, you said it's being redefined, but what has it ever meant? Mm. And it's And it's been different for everyone. Mm. So I think if you can get to the bottom of that, I think if you look it up in the dictionary, and I haven't, it probably has something to do with financial success or being success at whatever business you participate in. But I'm not convinced that's success. My wife and I talk about happiness, and to me, that's what success is. But happiness is sort of a, there's sadness and there's happiness, and it's sort of a high and a low range. And we talk about being content. That's more of a a word that we're comfortable with. Like if you're content, on a daily basis with how you're traveling and what you're doing and the direction you're moving, that's probably not a bad place to be. Um, so I, I've always queried what is success? And I think different things make different people happy. So it's a different answer for everyone. If Not that I'm solving anything by saying that, yeah. but it, it yeah. clearly is a different answer for everyone. It's part of the complexity, though, isn't it? Because we're trying to explore this issue of success 2.0 because it's it's a, a, a continuation from an earlier conversation that we started. But in reality, that was, I don't know how many months ago, and our view, given what may have happened um, to us in terms of those experiences that we've had from that time, might actually be quite different. So if you're going through a, a, you know, a personal change or a career change, then your view of what success looks like might be very different. So you mentioned a change that you've had from a career perspective in terms of industries, professional, um, yeah. sportsman to corporate. Now you're And I'll give you a great wine. example of this. Um, and I might have mentioned it when we first got together, you know, getting into, Sue and I bought a wine distribution business almost 20 years ago now. It was very small. It's sort of small to medium-sized now. We've grown quite a bit. 
but I was the only full-time employee when we bought it. So I don't know if I talked about this much last time, but I was, I'd walk the streets in just about every suburb in downtown Melbourne, and it was an absolute pride-swallowing exercise because you'd walk in and you'd walk out and you'd get a lot more no's than yeses. Third, fourth, fifth time, you'd get more yeses. Um, but I went from a world where there was this adoration of being a professional athlete to doing that. And actually, I quite enjoyed it because it was similar at a young age in athletics and that it was it was a different challenge and it was something that it was sort of a mountain you had to climb yeah um and the common denominator for both of those instances and what has gotten us from gotten us from there to 20 years later is 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 hard work i mean that if you want financial success hard work is pretty much the common denominator no matter who you speak to now whether that financial success delivers happiness is another question I'm sure that there are many people who would um, say that it is easier to be unhappy and wealthy than it is to be unhappy and poor, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you are happy if you have money, and that's the whole point, isn't it? There's something that you said there about um, you know the, the world that you came from and then transitioned into corporate from, and part of that is the status piece, and a lot of the time success um, is tied up with the view of status, so financial is one part of that uh, but also then uh, it might be title or it might be um, a public persona or social media now we kind of see it in terms of you know the engagements and the likes and the followers so there are lots of different ways to um, to view success in what we would traditionally perceive it probably what you referenced as the um the dictionary definition of success um you were a vp at uh goldman yeah, oh, MD, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Did yeah. I just demote you <laughs> or promote no you? I'm not worries. sure. Um, you are a very senior executive mm-hmm. um, in, you know, in the finance yeah. industry. So was that a challenge for you in terms of saying you're letting go of all of that? And how much was that tied to your identity, Kate? Uh, at the time, I would say and it was pretty straightforward to let go. Um, and so I don't think a lot was tied to the identity. Uh, but what I can relate to and what Todd said is recreating yourself right. outside of that. So the challenge to do that, because you are known for something in something, uh, and then you feel you've got these dreams to be maybe something slightly different. Well, that's your dream, but you actually haven't proven it. And the world is really good at looking backwards and saying, okay, well, you did that. You must be a good basketball, so keep playing basketball. You know, So, so it really is, a, it, it checks you in, as, as Todd said, right, about redefining and, then, and, and belief in yourself. Um, and I need to pick up on what Todd said around um, having that grit and determination. I think that's across anything, any spectrum of what your success is, whether it's relationships, whether it's health, whether it's financial. Um, and so I think grit is at the core of that yeah. uh, because without that grit, there isn't the persistence and, and, the, and the effort that needs to go on to work through. And I think if we think about different generations that were born out of different times, they were born with it, right? So out of the Depression, a lot of grit came you know, or we, you know, these these terrible stories around the Holocaust or grit was born in those instances. And, and I think now we think about, well, where did grit now come from for that, our young generation? And Todd and I have got younger, mm-hmm. you know, teenagers. If I, if I give them one thing, well, a bit of hope, but apparently yeah. they've already got that. So <laughs> I'll just let, they've got the hope. But the grit, 
that that uh, to to stick and a lot of people so like, just a global depressions or we're we're advocating <laughs> just to get those young people a well, bit of grit and determination i mean we've all heard it's not how many times you get knocked down it's how you get yeah, up or get up, do you yeah. get up yeah. so and that's so true um yeah. uh, my analogies was just that many no's and i'd walk out and you could almost hear the the buyers laughing like this big basketballer from america and word got around eventually that i used to play he, you know he'll be gone in three or four years right um so yeah um, my wife jokes with me too that um sue that she sort of says you're not happy unless you're sort of a little bit unhappy and, and what she yeah. means by that is you're not happy unless somebody's probably doubting you and that's sort of when i dig in and 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 i really enjoy that environment but you're like the underdog I'll, story yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Underdog narrative. Um, Lozzy battler. Yeah. And, and I really enjoy the culture here. I love living here. And so there's probably something to what you just said. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, it's, yeah, I find that a really good place for me. But I've got three brothers and we're all different. And you talk, you called it grit. And not everybody has similar qualities. You've got other qualities mm-hmm. that, are, that are, have better qualities in some other areas. But well, I guess you call it grit, maybe... Um, self-belief might be another word for it um and some people have that uh, a little bit more naturally than others uh and i don't ask me why i I wish everybody had it because i think well there'd be a lot more battles going on um, in the corporate world and probably at home but um i think this uh all the all the instances of depression and you know, it's a really hot topic at the moment in sport, in yes. the corporate world, in life in general. And um, to me, uh, sort of, bo- I, I say boredom is the enemy of life. And if you're not doing anything and staying active and staying busy, then I think you have a huge propensity to become depressed. And um, and part of that is in self-belief, just picking yourself up off the couch or whatever place you're in and saying, I can do this. And, and some people have that self-belief more than others. And, you know, it'd be nice if everybody had it in equal spades. Yeah, but it's not just also, it's not just keeping yourself occupied a lot of the time. It's keeping yourself occupied with worthwhile endeavors. I think a lot yeah. of people keep themselves yes. occupied with sort of that junk food um, sort of pastimes, you know, that gives you no actual self-belief or makes you feel yeah. like at the end of the day, you've been, I've been on my phone for two hours, but I've done nothing of that I can look back on and go, that was two hours well spent. You know? And that, well, a Netflix binge is good, but not necessarily I, I, I as a way of life. I might preface that by saying at the end of the day, you got to look back and say, was I, did I get anything done today? Yeah. Was I productive? Yeah. Yeah. So there's the productivity piece. I want to come back to that actually, Rick, because it's really then about what we're talking about is um, productivity, but also spending time on the right things, things that actually give you meaning and purpose. And maybe that's a component of, uh, you know, self-conviction, which is that something is, you're working on something that is worthwhile, whatever that might be. So how much of a component is that in terms of getting up and hearing the, you know, and hearing the no's and saying, this is actually more important. And yeah, I heard a no today, but I can come back to that because I I actually care about what I'm doing. I guess in sales, you're sort of conditioned to know that you're going to get more no's. I, I always say that you know they talk about ai and and all of that i I can't imagine a world where computers are selling to computers and making decisions for corporations i mean somebody's going to get hacked and somebody's going to do a billion dollar deal and you know somebody's going to go broke i think you still have to have people in sales and and in certain positions i'd like to see an apology on the news from a like just a computer apologizing for a bad you know bringing (laughs) bringing the finance system down i am sorry for that deal. yeah um (laughs) 
So I, I think it's, I, I, live in. I think it's understanding where you're at, knowing that um, you're going to get probably more no's and yeses. But it, and I think I talked about this the first time. You've got to be to make you feel good about yourself, and this is probably part of quote unquote success and happiness. You've got to be doing something you believe in. You know, you've got to actually believe in the product, whatever it is, whether it's financial, whatever it is you're selling, and maybe you're not a salesperson, you're in a different business, but you got to actually believe you're helping people. And I, I say to our sales team every now and again that, you know, we're either solving problems or we're creating them. And it's as, really as simple as that. And I think it applies to just every business. We're either making our customers' lives easier or we're making it harder. And if we make it easier, we grow. If we make it harder... Our business gets smaller. Although if you make their life harder, they might need more wine. <laughs> yeah. Just to get just through. To, just, to numb the, uh, just to numb the pain yeah. well, you yeah. might of another be, day. Might be some truth in that. But I, I think it's as simple as that. And, and yeah. you can almost possibly, and I'd like to hear what you think, mm. you can almost apply that to just about any business. You, you know, you're probably going to have this chat with a basketballer team or two when I get back to America because um, I'm doing a few basketball things. But, you know, the coach has to answer to somebody. He's got to ask, answer to the athletic department. He's got to solve the athletic department's problems and having a successful program. You as players, you know, when you get on the court, are you solving more problems? Or are you creating more problems for your coach? In other words, how valuable are you? And, and, and if you're solving more problems than you're creating and more players on the court are doing that, well, you, you have a chance of winning more games. So I think you can almost simplify it that much as far as success in the corporate world, but I'm sure there'll be some folks with other opinions. Okay, what's your view? Uh, I think we've sort of gone full circle, even though we've only started the conversation, of the importance to actually have the time to work out what it means for you. Because if you don't have that guiding light, and Todd, you have it very clearly, you have that guiding light. I, I think I've redefined it over time. But if you don't have that guiding light, therefore you really don't understand the congruence of where you fit in the organisation fits in or your sporting achievements or whatever you're doing in that and you don't have the persistence because if you knock down five times, you think, well, what am I trying it for? So I might as well lay on the couch with you know, Twitter. It's going to be much better conversation. Or So I think it's really interesting to think about how do you do that. So how do you do that? So I think <laughs> it takes time. I think it's hard. I think it's really hard. And I think sometimes to think you can do it by yourself, I I, I really think a lot of it needs to be moderated or facilitated by someone else or a program or maybe it's a conversation with a, a, a person or maybe it's following a podcast and a pre... Because it's peeling back those layers yeah. and it's being brutally honest. Um, so whether it's however you do it, I think the more I talk to people who are consumed by a 24... You know, a large job or a lot, it's hard to find the time to do it when you're in it. And so I think acknowledging that, okay, this is going to be, and I think I've talked about this before, this project me, I'm going to spend some time over, say, a month or two months, and I'm working on project me. And you carve out that time, like, okay, I want to get fit and run a marathon. Well, you're going to carve out that time, and you're not going to do it just once a week. You're going to do it, and to have a actual structure to do it, you will come out the the end, whether it's in a month or whatever you're, with some clear, and they might be right or wrong, and um, I've just recently rewritten mine. 
And then I read them the other day. I thought, oh, God, I missed something. <laughs> like I missed just, just a very clear thing. Yeah. But, and so they're forever evolving. But I think they're more at the forefront of my mind than ever. Okay. And that was what I was going to ask you, mm. which is Project Me. Um, in the corporate world, I think we think of projects as a start and finish. Mm. Uh, and really one of the things that we talked about earlier that's coming out as well is that success will change over you know a period of time and it might be based on where we are in our lives or it might yeah. be where we it's are it's an at ever-evolving work. buffet it is yes. a it is a buffet <laughs> never-changing buffet a digger station if, as it mm. were i think we've talked with about some food, good wine pairings with apparently. some good wine pairings <laughs> well um, we hope so <laughs> <laughs> and so how much of it is you know the recognition that it's dynamic and that yeah. we need to keep paying attention to it or is it a check in and check out what's your view on that i like to write things down because it's really amazing when six months goes by and six months go, goes by pretty quickly, you can actually read it and you read the words that you wrote, not something that you read in a book last time or that something was coming on you. You actually own it. So I think it's, um, and you know, the iPhone, we do like it for some things, but I do love the notes you know, because yeah. it's yeah. there. Yeah. Well, I like it's putting handy. things in emails yeah. because uh, you, there's something to look back on. And say, okay, what did we actually say? Yeah. You now know, you could what, say, what did we agree on? Yeah, you could say journal it, wherever you want to do it. But what I say is do it something that's with you, that you can check in at different times. And if it starts floating around in your mind, the subconscious will come to you and you will start hearing things and thinking th- through things. I also think by defining that, and it's not right or wrong, it's just what it is at that time, it allows you to say no. Really important that we it's know how to do that. Thing yeah. Because we're searching for something. Now, we might be in it, but it might be in a corporate job and an opportunity comes or you, there's decisions all along. So why not be informed about where the guiding light is and actually no, that's not. And saying no is, is just, I think in my view, just as strong as saying yes. And because you are redefining it for the person that's saying, how about this? And so you are creating your future by saying no. And if you've got that checkpoint, I think it's a really great place to start. There's something about uh, the fact that you're saying no means you've had to think about it and work out why it's not right. Mm-hmm. And it might be a point in time or it might be a whole stack of different things. And in doing that, you're actually thinking about what you do want, which is the inverse. So, Todd, you made a really interesting career transition. Did you go through that process of these are the things I'm saying no to or did you have a very clear view? What was your project, me? I'm going to keep using that. I liked it, Kate. Thank you. Well, what that five minutes made me think of was do you think long-term or short-term? you know, and a no to me is no to something that may deliver something short term, but is not what you're after in the long. It's not what you want to be, um, and it may make it harder in the short term. But it's in the longer term. That's how you want to represent yourself. And and we make those. I make those decisions all the time in in our business. In that um, we could get a pallet of wine sold. You know, lickety split. Mm. But I'll buy one right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But at what price and what price will it be in the market? And are we are we doing what we've been hired to do, which is to build the brands of our suppliers in certain markets? And by cutting the guts out of the price, you're not actually strengthening the brand. You're making it worse. So we could probably sell twice as much wine at, at half the margin. But where does that end? And in, in, are we actually doing what we've been hired to do? And, and the answer is no. So sometimes you want to take those shortcuts. Um but as you get older, and I'm beyond 50 now, you realize that they are just that. And it's going to come back and bite you at some point. Um, so that's what that made me think of, I think. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, you mentioned, you know, earlier, you know, we can't do it alone. Um, and I got to the point, I said earlier, I was sort of on my own walking the streets. I was the only full-time employee. And yeah. I got to a point and I said, all right, it's a chicken and egg thing. Like we had a, I've only got one winery left in the portfolio that we started with 20 years ago. And it was a pretty horrible portfolio that we inherited, not inherited, bought. Um, and I needed to get better staff. I needed to get better salespeople that I knew were around, but how am I going to get them to come work for me? You know, we were sort of at the bottom of the rung. And um, I had to sort of slowly add better brands, and then I could attract good people. In fact, the manager, sales manager, was with me. First time I rang, I didn't know who we were, who I was, and um, it was a quick no. And I rang her six months later, and I was just in the car, and I thought, well, well, give this another try and see what happened. Much like a sales call. Yeah, and cold call, <laughs> sales call. <laughs> and she'd happened to be upset with her boss. Ah, timing um, is everything. So she said, let's have a cup of coffee. So that was 13 or 14 years ago, and she's still with us. Right. So um, to your point, you have to have good people around you. And I couldn't. You can get to a certain point on your own, but you need good people around you. And what you learn from good people, like I've... It's often frustrated me when I see general managers of a basketball team or any name of sport, doesn't really matter. And and it probably happens in footy too. They've got a player management list. The coach doesn't actually have any input as to what players are brought to the team. And yet, if the players that have been put together as a team don't win, the coach is blamed. So it's sort of like if you're going to hire, if you think somebody's good at something, get out of their way and let them do it. And if they stuff it up, well, then... You move on from them. But if you think they're good, let them do their thing. And and oftentimes they'll mm. prove that they will. And I've I've found that our better employees, you know, I, I learn as much from them as they do from me. And if you're open-minded enough, I think that's when you have a real honest sort of opinion on or insight into what's going on out in the marketplace. And um, sort of what I said about my son earlier, that you, you just – you have to be open-minded enough to realize that you don't have all the answers, I think. Which speaks to, I guess, a whole stack of questions that I want to ask both of you. And actually, I've got one for you too, Rick. It's this whole idea, isn't it, that we create um, structures of accountability, but then don't enable Mm. people to bring their best selves. And so when you're looking at an organizational success, whether it's an institution that might be a not-for-profit or a corporate or a sporting team or any anything of that nature, we tend to stifle the success that we actually want to foster. And we probably don't create that sense of purpose that you were talking about, actually that you've both talked about, um, which is kind of interesting. Um, and then there's the piece that you've both talked about, which is uh, go to others. Kate, you were saying, you know, you might need to go to someone else and get some help there. Um, what you've just talked about, Todd, which is understanding that you can't do everything on your own, which is something you've both mentioned. So there's something there about um, EQ, which we talk about all the time, but also some humility as well, which is being able to say, I need some help. And that doesn't strike a deficiency. It actually is a moment of strength in saying that. So do you want to comment on that in terms of... you know, is the feelings of concern or vulnerability that come up or lack of confidence? Or is it just, this is very clear, I just need to get this done? Well, can I give the simplest of answers to yes, that? Yes, please do. Um, and this probably clues you in on my makeup a little bit. I remember being so nervous kissing my first girl, right? And I remember saying to myself, 
It's a great story, analogy. Hang on. <laughs> they don't know. If, if they think I know what I'm doing, because they probably are just as nervous as I am. If they, have, yeah. if they think I know what I'm doing, yeah. if I just pretend I know what I'm doing, I can get through this. Fake it while you make out. <laughs> so um, that's what that made me think of was sort of... Um, be open-minded enough to realize, and I used to do it in basketball as well. We used to go to like the number one ranked team in the country. I remember going to North Carolina, playing basketball in the new 25,000-seat arena. We were ranked, oh, I don't know, 12, 10 or 15 in the country. They were top five or something. And I remember saying, hang on, I'm the All-American here. I shouldn't be worried about them. They should be worried about me. So if you can, and and what sport has done for me, and because I've, you know, I've guarded Michael Jordan, I've guarded Larry Bird and Magic Johnson and people like that. I'm not saying I got the better of them, but it's allowed me to go out into the world and and, and believe that I'm as good as anybody in, in myself, but I'm also no better than anybody else. And to have the confidence to not be intimidated, um, confidence probably isn't the right word, but just not be intimidated by anybody I really run into. Um, and to me, the measure of a person isn't what they do or what they have or what title they have. I usually get a pretty good idea whether I even want to be around somebody again, no matter what their title is. Um, yeah, it's it's the old saying, you get one chance to make a first impression. And mm. regardless of what somebody does, I don't want to hang out with them if, if I don't enjoy being around them. So... I'm not how, sure if I answered anything there, but <laughs> well, that was I, the simplest of answers. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, there's something there. Around, there's a lot in there. And you're right. It's the confidence without the obnoxiousness, really, mm. or the unpleasantness that can sometimes come with um, arrogance and, and ego, which is, you know, I can take over the, the world as a healthy driver of mm. success, whatever that might look like, or achievement versus um, look at me, <laughs> you know, and get out of my way because it's actually all about me. And yeah. Project Me isn't all about me. It's no. about it's about recreation, not ego, yeah. right, Kate? And I think when uh, – it reminds me a little bit of the imposter syndrome. Yes. That, that I think we've had two podcasts yes. on that. Yes. And there's another one to come. Yeah. Um, but also people will say to me, well, how are you confident? And I think I don't know if I define it as confidence. I think when you think about your purpose and if you have spent some time to really think about what's driving you and then you think about what you bring to it, what are my skills? If I just know what those skills are, the third piece is, and maybe this is the confidence piece, I know if I apply myself, I'll be able to build on that. I, there's sort of a knowing of that and I think... I've done it before in different ways. I don't know if I start another, you know, another tangent that I'll be able to do it. But look at the history. You know, get the confidence from what you've done to play back in your mind um, so you can move forward. Because if you focus on what you're good at, you will build that. Um, and I think, unfortunately, there's a lot around what you're not good at. Yes. The 360 review. Yeah. I mean, I totally changed how I speak with my team about that. We talk about building on your strengths and I will help you as a manager get rid of the barriers. And those barriers and hurdles might be some areas for improvement. But let's think about what you're good at, what's driving you. And if we can build on that, well, how great that will be for you and also me as managing or and also for the business. So it's reframing that and and coming with the, the, the cups more than half full. 
The cup is more than half full. Brimming over, as it were, oh. with um, perhaps some Shiraz mm. from Todd. <laughs> we can accommodate. <laughs> There's some interesting... I just bought a pallet, so I'm, I'm ready to go. <laughs> you did. You did. Enough for everybody to get through the rest of the podcast. Well, no. I'm not sure. You can get your own pallet. I mean... <laughs> Friday. Jesus. Um, but for a reason. <laughs> I'm a heavy drinker. <laughs> We're getting a sense of that. Another definition of success. <laughs> uh, there's some. There's there's so much there around the fact that we tend to focus on everything that goes wrong, mm. and this whole thing of um, you know that that's kind of overtaking these mindset shifts now around failure and learning instead. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's one of the narratives that a lot of people need to redefine, yep. um, and that doesn't take away accountability, but this whole idea that you can actually not succeed at something, but that's yep. a temporary setback, which goes to what you talked about, Todd, which yep. is it's how you respond to that. Because we can't always be in, you know, in, in our version of success, successful. Yeah. And I think that when you bring down the layers, both on in my background is sales as well and long-term sales, um, we all think it's the number of pallets we sell or in my world, it's how much assets you've raised. I actually don't think it's that. That's an outcome. But if you define what the processes are and the markers of to create that external success of pellets sold, um, assets raised, think about those. And it is the number of positive client conversations mm. I've had, the number of doors you'll open. <laughs> Absolutely no, well, you, the more doors yeah. you open. The information I have learnt, what is my loop of actually listening to my customer and how am I actually learning and what have I influenced to improve my conversation? There's about five other markers that I would see as success in a sales process. Yeah. And I don't actually think assets under management is. It's an actually outcome. So if I do those five things and I know my business well enough to know what they are and I can work with people that they believe that they have an understanding and a commitment to those processes – it will fall out. Now, there could be a thousand reasons why it won't fall out, but that'll be out of my control or out of anyone's control. And so I think that analogy is quite interesting because defining success is we typically say it's the outcome. It's a metric that we can measure with a very clear ROI. And what you're speaking of is something that can be much more intangible and yet fundamentally deliver you know, downstream a, a, a more tangible. significant ROI. Yeah, some of them are so, tangible. You know, there are some tangible, but there are some intangible. And, and that's where you come back to the quality of the conversation yeah, or the way you present yourself. You know, there's a whole lot to it. But I think it's really helpful for people to understand that. And particularly in long sale, you know, long businesses where, uh, you know, sale might take four years. Yeah, well, everyone's going to be bored by then. No one's going to feel like they've got anywhere, right? Except exhausted and had a lot of no's, right? We'll remember that no. So reframing that and then thinking about from a personal perspective, reframing it as well. Longer term, I have this success, but what are my markers? How am I going to know I'm moving on that journey in the next week or in the next three weeks? Well, there's there's two or three ways or four or ten ways to get from point A to point B financially, isn't there? But it's a matter, you talk about the markers, are you happy with the way you're getting there? Are you happy with the way you're conducting business and dealing with your customers or Mm. whatever your interface is? Um, And I think that's a lot more fulfilling if you genuinely, I think I said it earlier, for me, are you helping your customers? Are you genuinely adding value to their life and making their life easier if, in fact, you're selling something? And, and most of us are either buying or selling something. 
And that's the leadership question, isn't it? A lot of the time, which is um, what does success look like organisationally? We're respective of, again, where you are, that um, is is a win at all costs attitude, the definition of success, or is it, you know, can you actually um, win whatever that looks like in terms of a metric, but also value the way that you actually conducted yourself um, throughout that whole process? I feel like um, a lot of what I hear... Um, in these conversations is um, when you start out you often see success as an end point that you're aiming towards Mm. Um, but then after you go through that for a while you start to realize that success is enjoying the process that you're going through to achieve certain things and that the end point is never going to be a tick of success Mm. it's it's, if you're enjoying that process then that's where the success is going to be derived Mm. from so yeah it's not Mm. it's not end point driven it's process driven and a des- it's not a destination it's a journey isn't it so your experience is very different from ours rick so what is what do you measure success as uh yeah it's interesting because you were talking about your your journey from basketball to um to being a, a, a salesperson uh or being involved in that sort of that arena from one arena to the, was, to the next i was everything at one point yes <laughs> the salesperson the general manager yeah yeah um, and so going from a, a, an arena where they're um they're, they're celebrating you and they're cheering for you and, and then to the arena where you're getting a lot of nose and doors in the face and that sort of sums up what it's like to be a performer uh, but we oscillate between those two on a sort of very regular basis where it, one night will be on stage and people will be chat, clapping and cheering for us and we'll feel like you know um We'll be feeling that um, that feedback in that way, and then the next day we'll be going to auditions, and um, everyone's going, "No, nope, next, no." <laughs> and so you're always, uh, and I think that's probably where you get a lot of the um, the the mental uh, health problems in in terms of performing because <laughs> right. you're having to switch between those two realms really uh, so regularly that it's it's you can never settle into either, and you're not sure, and so that idea of success becomes very um, transient or very unfathomable unless you have a clear sense of um, what you, why you're doing it. Um, and it is that idea that you're not aiming for an end point. When you first start out, you're aiming, you, you think you're going to be climbing a, a, a ladder. And then after a while in your career, you realize that you're going to be doing a lot of different things. Some of them are going to be high, um, high exposure. Some of them are going to be not seen by anyone. Uh, some of them are going to pay a lot some of them are going to pay nothing and you're always it's not a straight trajectory and so once you sort of reframe of that idea of what you're trying to do and you sort of you got to make peace with what you're going to what your career is going to feel like and what you're going to be happy doing and success is just like I was saying it's an ever-changing concept Um, sometimes you're really happy in the work that you're doing and the next week you're doing the same work but it's not fulfilling so you've got to keep um, you've got to keep evolving as a performer and keep making sure your, your skin is thick very thick. <laughs> it doesn't sound that different from the corporate, I, or probably the sports world, to be honest. Yeah. One day you're adored, and the you know you've done the deal, and you're the the next big thing, right? Ready to be oh, on was... on the hot track for the promotion. Mm-hmm. And then the next day, the world goes horribly wrong, and someone's yelling at you to get into the office <laughs> and yep. redo it. But I can, having said that, I can actually understand why you need that palette of wine right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, it sounds like that might be a good place to. Um, ponder where we are maybe just wrap up with some key takeaways Uh, Kate I I do like the lighthouse the Mm. idea of spending time and really understanding your own lighthouse and what then are the inputs along the way and the only other word I'd put out there or concept is to have the agility and that agility is a little bit different from um, resilience 
it's the learning agility it's the intellectual agility it's because i think that is the differentiator in the current working environment or even if you are thinking of acting mm. um that's really i think it's it's a secret source that i think if we spend some time building our agility we will be able to make it the, through the journey ah life hack sacred source <laughs> hashtag hashtag sacred source. i like it <laughs> it sounds a little dirty <laughs> the more i think of it, the more i hear it when i first heard i thought that's a great phrase i thought no but maybe it's just in my mind i was still thinking of todd's first kiss you got a, you got a big smile on your face when you were thinking of something dirty I sacred source just started yeah, on, the wine no. on the sly i don't know where you go from that todd uh, well kate talked about guiding light earlier and i think you know for me, I, I, I keep coming back to this notion of financial success and, and finances, money in the bank. It's just a point in space. It's just whether it's $10, $100,000, a million, a billion, it really doesn't matter what you have in the bank. I mean, it helps that you can pay your bills and things. But let's say we're all making reasonable money. It, it, it's That's not where the happiness is coming from. And, and, and we talked about the processes in place and the guiding light to me as I've done more in sport, and sport, in a sense, like I said, I, re- I really think it's analogous to running a business in a way. It's it's teamwork. It's working together. It's mm-hmm. being unselfish at times, yeah. being honest, looking in the mirror and saying, you know, what can I do to make things better, not everybody else is the problem. And um, I really feel like um, as I've gone on in into different endeavors, the guiding light for me, what, what brings me happiness, I, I can't think of a single memory in my life, my favorite hundred memories where I'm alone, you know, and there's always somebody with his family or friends. So for me, as I get older and do more and more, the guiding light for me is my family. And am I getting that right? Um, And in in that tight circle of friends, regardless of how much money I'm making or not making or what I do on a particular day, um, you've got to have that to feel like you're productive and doing something and actually contributing. And I think helping people in the workplace and with whatever it is, whether you're recommending investing in stocks, you're a stockbroker, are you actually genuinely recommending something because you think that will help someone or are you not? And I think you'll go home from work feeling good about yourself based on those things. But when you get home, um, I think is for me, as I get older, more, more and more the guiding light, um, my family, and I, I know that sounds a bit cornball, but um, I think they keep you honest, and especially when you're raising children, um, you know pretty well whether you're doing a good job as a father or not. Um, you, you really can't fool anyone. So, yeah, that's uh, I guess that's where I'll leave it. I don't know if it's cornball or not, but um, it's does it does not diminish how worthwhile that is actually, as a measure of success. And if you look at the longitudinal study on happiness that's been done um, by, you know, at Harvard, um, they're right on you, irrespective of what we talked about, which is status um, and money and job and how many cars or not you might own. The single most important factor influencing someone's happiness is the quality of their relationships. So hashtag Cornwall, right? And I, didn't even, I didn't even read that. <laughs> I'll send it to you. <laughs> It's a longitudinal study, and so right. it's it's one of the most important studies I think they've ever done, hmm. um, or I, I believe that they've ever done. Well, I'm glad I've gotten somewhere near there. Yeah. Then. <laughs> 
So, um, so don't diminish that by any means. Yeah. Rick, you're nodding. Yeah. No, I'm nodding. And I, I, Is it I, the I, hashtag I, that I've has you? I've had a lot of takeaways today. I've had a lot of personal <laughs> takeaways. It's good listening to people, you know, typing in their phone about Sacred Source and <laughs> listening to Todd talk about his first kiss with Michael Jordan. To be fair, I might have confused that story in my mind. Um, <laughs> That'll be interesting if that gets back to him. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I heard. That's what, that's what I heard. Um, but yeah, that idea of, um, of success being, uh, you know, enjoying the, the day-to-day process of things, not an end point, means that success can be achieved in the present as opposed to something that's uh, going to be achieved in the future. Because, um, yeah, I think if you, you, you have that success as an end point thing, it's always going to move. Once you achieve that, you're going you're gonna to move the goalpost again because that's sort of the nature of um, that endpoint success chasing is that you're never satisfied once you achieve whatever you were striving for. There's always something more uh, ahead of that. So uh, if you're always placing success in the future, it's always going to be in the future. Whereas if you're enjoying the, the um, present day process, then you're, you're already succeeding. So um, I think there's a chance I will kiss Michael Jordan um, <laughs> if I just believe. I just I, I believe in his sacred source. Um, and we'll, we'll, we'll get there. If you get nervous, just remember Todd's tips. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just fake it. It's fake, probably the first time that he's been thinking about kissing you too. <laughs> I don't. I don't believe that for a second. <laughs> I'm in his dream journal. I know I am. <laughs> I'm not sure where this is going, but I feel like it might need to it's, end very soon. It's going deep into my into my fan fiction that I've been writing for years. The last two minutes of this, is that right? I feel, like, <laughs> I feel like this is turning into a podcast that yeah. might not necessarily be for, it might be for a different type of audience. Mate, it's going to have so many downloads and you won't know why. <laughs> Oh, sound bites. Um, does that wrap us up for the... I feel wrapped up. I feel wrapped up in dreams. Warm and fuzzy. Dreams of the future. I might need some help closing up here. Todd, Kate, help me out. Rick is obviously proving yeah, to be... I'm not, not wrapping this up. At all. I want to stretch this out. All right. I'm going to take it home. All right. As in, I'm going to take the episode home, yeah, not anything it. else home. No, no. I all understand. right. Just making it clear. But can you do it? <laughs> Faculty, make it. <laughs> All right, what an episode this has been. Success, it's personal. That we do know, that it, it, we know it's a journey and not a destination, and you need to actually make time to work on it. Focus on the quality of the relationships and um, fake it till you make it is in there as well. Mm. I like it. A few takeaways for us. Thank you very much. This has been a great follow-up conversation. Success. Thanks, so much. <laughs> Thanks. pleasure being here. We make Leadership of Fools because we love it and because we believe that conversations are more important now than ever before. You can help us out by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. And while you're there, leave us a review. We'd love to know what you think. You can also check out extra content that we upload onto our LinkedIn page at Leadership of Fools. Thanks again once more. And until next time, goodbye.